Amen. Church, would you pray with me? God, we are grateful for the ways that you have drawn us into community together. We thank you for the picture this morning in baptism uh, and in new membership of the ways that you are calling people into community to be formed into the likeness of Jesus. And so, God, I pray that as we engage your word this morning, as we continue in worship together, would you keep uh, giving us that end, that we might be people who look more and more like Jesus. In your name, amen. Well, uh, good morning. My name is Sarah Nielsen. I'm the adult discipleship pastor here at The Bridge. And uh, I'm trying something different this morning because we have been talking for a while now about the book of Acts, and we have been talking the last couple weeks about ways that our church community uh, has been living into some of the characteristics of the book of Acts. And I will tell you a secret. Every time before now that I have gotten up here to preach, I have preached from a manuscript. I have known exactly what I was going to say. It was all perfectly, beautifully constructed. And I was much more comfortable up here talking to you because I knew exactly what was going to happen. Today, uh, I promise to keep this short, but today I am not preaching for a manuscript. And part of that is because I want you to hear uh, from my heart how deeply I am passionate about this topic that we are talking about today and how much I just genuinely want to invite you into a next step. And so I'm just going to talk a little bit from my heart about that. Uh, I am the discipleship pastor, so part of what my role is at this church is to think about how we are a community uh, that is formed into the likeness of Jesus together. That's the heart of discipleship, the heart of formation, is looking more and more like Jesus. And so uh, before I get too deep into talking about how we're doing that at the bridge today, I want to introduce you to two people first. So the, their picture is going to be on the screen here in a second. Uh, these are two of my best friends, okay? This is uh, Carrie and Alex. Uh, the picture on your right uh, is uh, Halloween, where we had just recently read the book Moby Dick, and we decided that we were going to dress up as Moby Dick characters for Halloween. Uh, so now you know that we are both a little nerdy, but also kind of fun about it. Uh, that's, I think, a good, a good introduction to, as we talk about uh, ways that community is formational this morning, I wanted you to know that these are real people that I'm talking about. So, uh, I'm going to start us, actually, in the scripture passage in Acts 2 that we have read a lot as we've gone through this sermon series. Acts 2, verses 42 to 47, to kind of ground us in the word this morning. And it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I think that as we have talked about this passage uh, in the last couple of months, actually, we have made the point that this part of Acts is not maybe indicative of what the church looked like from there on out, right? This was a very idealistic picture of the early church. Some of you just went to Rocky Mountain High. Can you raise your hand if you just went to Rocky Mountain High? Okay, right after you do a big trip or a camp or something that gets you all revved up, you're really excited, and it's very easy to engage and do things. Uh, I think that that's kind of what this, 
this picture in Acts 2 is. They had just watched Jesus be raised into heaven. People were telling these stories. There was a spiritual high going on. If you keep reading Acts, and if you read the rest of the New Testament, actually, and the letters that Paul sent, uh, things, things go a little downhill from there. We'll, we'll just say it that way. Things go a little downhill. People start losing heart because Jesus doesn't come back as quickly as they think he's going to. And people start getting persecuted. And followers of Jesus don't have the same passion and energy and excitement that they had at the very beginning of the church formation. And they need some encouragement. They need, they need people who can come alongside them when they are weary and tired and dejected and remind them, we follow a God who was raised from the dead. And they need people who can come and say, you can do this because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Keep looking at God. Don't lose heart. And they also need some correction. If you look at some of the other letters of Paul, you see Paul talking to disciples and telling them, hey, um, you're getting off you don't look like Jesus in this way anymore, and turning them back. Particularly, I think of the story where Paul is talking uh, to Peter, and Peter initially was really excited to lean in and to welcome Gentiles into the church, and then after a little while, he starts getting concerned, and he starts worrying about his image, and he starts all of these things, and Paul has to actually talk to him and say, hey, what, what has happened here? We have agreed, and we know that God is at work welcoming the Gentiles. Why won't you eat with them? And he needed people who were surrounding him to ask hard questions. Now, I want to caveat before I go any farther uh, that I know that that can sometimes get weird or off, and people have been hurt by that in the church, right? Some of us have been confronted by people who maybe didn't have perfect motives or maybe didn't have the best way of approaching that conversation. And I just want to create a lot of safety and space, if that is you this morning, uh, and talking about confronting people or being convicted by something in the church gives you, like, real anxiety, because I get that. That is not what we're talking about. Uh, but I do think that these two components of being encouraged in community and being willing to hear hard things, to have our blind spots pointed out to us, to have our edges smoothed out within community are two of the main things that we are invited to when we come to church. And so I'm going to tell you a couple stories this morning uh, to illustrate these points. Uh, the first is about my friend Carrie. She was the one who was holding the whale if that's helpful to you, in the first picture. Uh, Carrie has been my friend since college. She is uh, currently in a spiritual direction program. She's very wise and very thoughtful as a person. Um, when I got done with seminary, my first couple of years of seminary, I came back and um, I had gone to seminary during the 2016 election. I had gone to seminary and in the two years that I was there, I had three of my closest friends come out to me as gay and were in churches where that was not handled very well. Um, I was uh, asking giant questions because that's what seminary gets you to do. And I was a little angsty. I don't know if any of you interacted with me at that point in my life, but if you did, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sure some of you did. Uh, but so Carrie ended up in a conversation with me very shortly after I got out of seminary. And uh, I could not hear hardly anything. But I was questioning whether I could continue being part of the church. I was questioning what my faith was going to look like when I knew it had to change some. And I was uh, asking some really hard questions and was not very open to hearing answers. Um, and she sat in that space with me for a really long time. And she kept asking me this one question. was, what do you know to be true about God? What do you know to be true about God? 
And at that moment, had she tried to tell me things that she knew were true about God, uh, or things that she believed, or quoted Bible verses at me, I would not have been able to handle that very well. But she kept in her own way, because we had such deep relationship and she knew me well enough, she knew the question to ask me to keep centering me in Jesus. And I think that was a beautiful picture of a way that someone encouraged me and came alongside me at a really hard time when I was losing heart and losing faith and mad about a lot of stuff. Uh, the second, the second uh, actually comes from a very similar time of my life. My, my friend Alex, who was the other person in the picture uh, with the pipe in her mouth, um, she and I lived together during 2020. Some of you have heard me talk. I used to live near Drake in a house with five or six other women. Um, I had 16 different roommates in the four years that I lived there. It was kind of a crazy space to be. But my friend Alex lived with me during that period of time. Um, and if you will remember, that was during quarantine lockdowns for COVID. Um, it was also the summer that George Floyd was killed. It was also the summer that there were just tensions in every direction, in every form of relationship, in politics, in how we were wearing masks or taking vaccines. Or I mean, every, every area had conflict wrought with it. I'm sure you remember that. Um, I entered that space very sure that I was thinking about and considering important things that were gonna help everyone look more like Jesus. And because I was so certain of how I was engaging those conversations, I felt very sure that we needed to have those conversations all the time and that we needed to be very direct about them. Um, Alex happened to be the person in the kitchen at 9.30 at night as I was feeling the need to talk about those things. And she uh, came from a very different perspective than I did. And uh, it was not great. It was not great. I did not handle those conversations very well. I brought a lot of passion and energy that felt justified to me and was not helpful. And because Alex and I had known each other since I was in high school, she was able to look at me and say, we need to not talk about this anymore. You, have hurt, you hurt my feelings. I don't know how to engage with you in this space, so I'm setting this boundary. And at the time, it was very painful and hard and shaming and embarrassing and a lot of different things. Um, but a couple days later, the Holy Spirit moved through that and made me realize these are really important things. I don't get to not talk about them because I do think that they are important, but the way that I show up in these spaces needs to change. And the way that I engage community needs to change. And that happened because I had someone in my life who had enough relationship and trust and that I trusted would speak things in love that was able to have that conversation with me and I was able to hear it. And I think that that's what we're called to do in church. That's not really what happens on most Sunday mornings, right? It's not, it's not the most natural thing to have those kind of conversations with people that we're talking about just the state fair with and we don't know anything else about, right? I don't know that that can happen on a Sunday morning here, but I do think that our engagement in a church community is supposed to lead us to those kind of relationships. They are supposed to be places where we can be really honest when we need encouragement. And they're supposed to be places when we're, when we're mad or when we're asking questions, we have someone that can find a way to point us back to Jesus. And we need people who can help us see our blind spots and our rough edges. And so I'm going to invite you, this, this fall, we are doing something that we have not done before. Many of you maybe have been in a small group in the church in the past. Small groups are great places 
to start forming these kind of relationships, but often they're too big. They're, they're small, but they're too big for these kind of conversations as well. And so this past year, we invited a number of people in our congregation to engage something called triads, which is uh, it's three people for two hours once a month. But the intention of these groups from the get-go is to develop these kind of relationships where we know about the things that are going on in each other's lives, not just the things on the surface, but the things that are hard and the things that are really exciting, the things that we're hoping for. There's spaces where we are forming those kind of relationships intentionally uh, and developing them so that when we need encouragement or we need spaces that people can speak true things to us that's hard to hear in love, we will have those people. So we uh, piloted that with seven different groups of individuals this past year. We had a lot of great stories from that time. I had the privilege to get to sit in on every triad once this spring and to hear about the ways that whether they were people who had been friends for a long time and were just taking the next step of intentionality in their relationships, or whether they were people who were like, I don't really know you, but I'd like to get to know you and let's Let's just dive in. Uh, I got to hear beautiful stories of support and love and meals shared and real conversations happening in ways that they haven't been able to happen in other places in the church. And so I, we're going to have uh, signups and information meetings about these groups this fall. We have a lot of other classes and types of events happening this fall as well if you're looking for an on-ramp to relationship and community. But I would really encourage you to think about and start praying about if there are people that you know who you think you might want to take a step deeper in relationship with so that you have people when you get to those spaces that you can't hold hope for yourself or you need spaces where you know that something is off and you know that you need someone to help you find your way back to looking like Jesus. Uh, I'm going to invite actually John Sickink up now to talk about this a little bit. John is actually the person who suggested that we try triads, and he has been meeting with a triad for a little bit. He's going to talk about why it might be a good idea. Thank you. Uh, one of my personal goals is to live and love like Jesus. Now, that's a pretty big goal, and, uh, and I, I go back to the Matthew 28 where Jesus said, go and make disciples. And I figured if you're going to go make disciples, you better be one yourself. And to be one yourself, you better get to know Jesus better. And so what a better way to be able to hold yourself accountable in your walk than to sit uh, around a table with two other people looking you right in the face and you're sharing your own personal journey on how you're doing personally in your walk with Jesus, with sharing, uh, studying the Bible, prayer time with your family life and, and your interactions with other people. And so, as a result of that, we, I, have, uh, I encourage you that we have very little, few settings of where we can really sit and have that kind of conversation, and, but I have that experience for two hours every month when I sit around a table having two people look me in the eye and ask the same, ask the questions of how I'm doing in my journey, and I can vice versa do that as they walk in their journey. Thank you, John. And John, um, I mean, John's awesome. So if you don't actually know John, you should talk to him later. But he and Marshall and Farhad have been meeting and they didn't know each other very well, all three of them, when they started this, this uh, triad. And I think it has been a really good and encouraging space. They just decided that they were going to continue meeting throughout this year because it has been um, a really formational space for them. And so I would, I would encourage you, I'm going to come back to what I prayed and what I said at the beginning. 
Part of why we come to church is because we are actually trying to look more like Jesus, right? We don't just come to church to sing songs, though I love singing songs. We don't just come to church to sit and it's because it's what we do and it's a good place to meet people and kind of know other people. Like, we come to church because we are supposed to look more like Jesus, and we need other people to help us get there. And so I would just encourage you to start praying about that. Um, And I'm going to invite the praise team, actually, to come up for the last song. And during this last worship song, I would just invite you to start thinking and praying. Maybe there is someone that you have seen in church on Sunday mornings that you're like, they seem cool. Uh, Maybe I want to get to know them better. This could be a, a really great way to start that conversation. Now you've both heard the same thing. My guess, studies show us that uh, the rise in loneliness and disconnection in the U.S. recently, in the last five to ten years, has been crazy. It's, It's increased by significant percentages. I don't have the numbers up here with me, but I was reading articles even this morning talking about the rise of loneliness. Chances are that the person that you're going to ask also wants some kind of relationship like this. And so I know it's busy. I know that you're busy. It's, it's one time a month, though. This is a pretty easy way to enter in and to do it with some intentionality and some thoughtfulness. So as we, as we continue in worship, um, I'm going to pray, and I would invite you to start thinking about if there are one or two people that you could invite into a triad with you this fall. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you uh, knew we needed other people, that you said it was not good for us to be alone. I thank you that you have formed a church uh, and you invited us to bring our pieces and our gifts and the things that we are passionate about and the things that we uh, have rough edges around and to come together so that we together can image Christ better for the world that so desperately needs to know his goodness and his love. And so Holy Spirit, would you stir in us, reveal if there are barriers, things that we're afraid of, things that we have experienced in relationships in the past that are maybe hurtful or harmful and make us afraid to re-enter. I pray, God, that you would show us what those barriers are and then that you would give us courage and you would pave the way for us, that we might have relationships that really deeply impact us and make us look more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.